You doing good? You look great. You really do look great. Happy New Year. I know it's been said multiple times, but I'm excited for 2016. I can't believe it's already here. But it is, and it goes by so fast. We have so much planned for this year. I hope we can get it all done, but it's good stuff. We have been literally, for the last two and a half months probably, been planning for this year. And today, and the next four weekends, we're going to tell you all about where we're going in 2016. We're calling this series for four weeks, The Fourteeners. And it's really the Fourteeners of Timberline Church. It's mountains that we need to climb. We're going to face some challenges, but I'm going to share all of those with you in the next four weeks. I'll bullet through them today, so you don't have to write them down, though. They're going to be in print for the next few weeks. And we're, how many of you know what a 14er is? How many of you, be honest, have no idea? Okay, okay. If you've lived in Colorado very long, you probably know what it is, because this state has more than any other state. And what a 14er is, is a mountain peak that is 14,000 feet or more above sea level. And Colorado has... How many of you know how many we have? How many of you think it's 54? How many of you think it's 53? How many think it's 58? Okay, listen carefully. The Colorado Geological Survey says that there are 58 peaks that exceed 14,000 feet in elevation in the state of Colorado. However, this gets complicated because... They have declared that some of those peaks are too close in proximity to each other, like some are only 100 feet away, and so they're saying that's the same mountain. So someone came up with the idea of saying there has to be at least a 300-foot rise from the lowest valley between the peaks before it can be its own peak. So there are technically 53 if you apply that rule. If you don't apply that rule, there are 58. I'm excited because the Timberline 14ers that we're trying to climb, there are only 11. So I am very, very happy about that. How many of you have actually climbed one? Okay, good. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to uh, get out there and try to do that. I want you, over the next few weeks, just, just email us pictures of you climbing any mountain in Colorado. It doesn't have to be a 14er. And then we want to just scroll them on the screen before and after services. So we don't want just scenery. We want you in it, you know, in pain. Okay? <laughs> we, we have some equipment that we're going to be using. Um, this is a true, real, live climbing rope, rappelling rope. And it's pretty heavy. It's amazing how heavy these things are. And uh, I love rappelling. I've done it most of my life. And uh, Jeff, Lucas, and myself are going to rappel out of the top of that ceiling in a couple of weeks together. I'll be fine. He'll probably die. But we will really have fun watching him attempt this. We're going to try. No promises. We haven't practiced yet. And I want him to practice a lot. I'm just kidding. He's awesome. He'll be up for it. But I hope we can, we can do that and talk about some of those risks. This, this backpack belongs to Bob Seal. Pastor Bob is just an amazing pastor on our team, leads a lot of stuff. And he has a lot of stuff in here that, like, these are his climbing shoes. I really don't want to touch those. He has, uh, this is his harness. This is his harness. How many of you recognize something like this? If you're a serious climber, you do. Because this has all the gadgets that you can, even the salt powder for hanging on to stuff. 
Uh, it's in here too, and it's actually got powder in it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Burning up up here. Sorry. Let's put that down there. Wow, we got a cloud going. Um, he's got a lot of equipment here. It takes a lot of equipment to do serious climbing. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is how can we be equipped as a church family to climb the 14ers that God is asking us to climb. So, yes, it's a wonderful metaphor. Yes, we're going to laugh and have some fun with it. But I'm telling you, this is a serious mission. One of the things I love, a statement that I saw about another church from a friend of mine, he had T-shirts made that said, Fun Church, Serious Mission. And I'll tell you, I love that. Because I think we can learn and, and grow and understand how serious our mission is and have some fun all at the same time. Jesus is about to launch his ministry in Matthew 4. It's a remarkable passage because he's calling out people to follow him. Now, this, this is the beginning of what we celebrate when we come together and we worship God. When Cameron was leading us talking about this theme of he is Lord and and, and every knee shall bow. And what we believe, this is because of this moment right here that we're going to read. He is baptized by John the Baptist. Remember that? And John the Baptist recognizes him. Hey, this is, here he comes. This is the one. This is the Messiah. Baptized. Jesus goes into the synagogue, opens up a scroll from Isaiah, and reads that famous passage that's prophetic about the Messiah. I've come to heal, you know, uh, re- release the captive. And then he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. So he's launching. He's, he's 30 years old. Anybody know why he waited till he was 30? It's, there's a lot of thought about it. In the Old Testament, you had to be 30 to become a priest. That might be one reason. Secondly, some say that Joseph, his dad on the earth, I mean, we know God was really his dad, but Joseph was married to Mary, his mom, Many scholars believe that he died very young because he's not mentioned again. And Jesus, being the eldest, probably took over his dad's carpentry shop and actually provided for the family. And that's very probable. But for whatever reason, it was time for him to start. Matthew 4, verse 18. Listen carefully to this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is a beautiful setting, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water. They fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. He uses the analogy they understand, but he says, Not fish anymore, actually human beings. They left their nets at once, and they followed him. There was something compelling them to follow him. A little farther up shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee repairing their nets. He called to them too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Again, they were compelled to follow this man. Then it tells what happens. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news, which is, what's the word for good news? Gospel. The word gospel means good news. Preaching the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing him all the people who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed, epileptic, or paralyzed, he healed 
them all. So large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, and now he's doing a geographical thing. The ten towns, Jerusalem, all over Judea, the east of the Jordan River. Everyone is wanting to see Jesus because of what he is doing. The first thing in your outline that I want you to write down as we dive into this today is the decision to begin. The decision to begin. We don't know exactly what prompted Jesus to say, today's the day I'm going to go make it happen. But we know it was ordained by God, and we know all of these things really happen. You know, let me just ask you a personal question. What is it, what is it that pushes your button to get started on something? Like if you're going to clean the garage, why, why are you deciding to clean it? Is it because you can no longer walk in it? There's, there's no place else to put something? Um, or because someone has threatened you that if you don't, <laughs> they are going to hurt you? Now, who knows? Um, don't look at each other that way when I said that. There's a button that's pushed if I, to do dishes. Anybody like doing dishes? See, some, some people do. It's therapy for them. Um, I'm not crazy about it, but I do it because I need them to be clean. And so there are, are motivation, motiva- motivators that help us do certain things. A lot of people are going on a diet right now, you know, beginning of the year, joining a gym, working out. What made you say, today's the day, I'm doing this? Is it because you had to lay down on your bed to get your jeans on and you finally said, I'm done? <laughs> you know, there, there's stuff happens in us. To say something triggers to get started. And so, so Jesus launches this ministry. He knows it's the right timing. And you and I have to decide. In 2016, what are we going to be about? I know that New Year's resolutions can kind of come and go. And some people make them and some people don't. Not quite as popular as it used to be. But I want to tell you something. We have some goals at Timberline Church for 2016. And I want to invite you. I want to invite you, some of you have been in this church a long time, and you're on the sidelines, and I want to invite you into the game. I want to invite you into meaningful ministry where you know your life counts for something bigger than yourself. And we're going to provide a lot of opportunities for you to get involved, more than we ever have in our history. We have a great plan for it. I want you to be motivated to try stuff that you've never tried before. We're going to take some risks this year. We're going to try some stuff that might fail. When I get to the 14ers, you'll understand this. But how many of you know it's better to try stuff and fail than to not try at all? I've said to you many times, you know, we're going to try this. If it doesn't work, we're going to go back to what wasn't working before. (laughs) Right? So I remember when Bonnie, my wife, Bonnie, turned 50, she said something so random to me. And I said, what do you want to do on your birthday? She said, well... I'd like to climb a 14er. And she's never climbed a 14er. I've climbed a few, but she never had. And she never had any interest in doing it. And so I said, really? What, what's motivating you to do that? And she said, I'm not sure. I think because I've never done it. I think because 50 is kind of a milestone age. And it, I think I'll feel very accomplished if I can do it. So we did it. And she climbed with me. We climbed Mount, or not Mount, it's called Quandry Peak up by Breckenridge. Anybody ever climb it? It's a great climb. It's listed as one of the easier ones, but let me tell you something. None of them are easy. If you buy a book about the 14ers and it says, you know, easy, moderate, difficult, most difficult, the easy ones are, are hard to climb. But 
They're just not as hard as some of the other ones. So they're all tough. But it was really cool because when we got to the top and we celebrated that she had done this, her first 14er, we saw a family with a, a guy who looked to be the grandpa of a couple granddaughters. And we engaged them in conversation and we said, wow, why did you climb this 14er today? And he said, because I'm celebrating my 70th birthday. I said, well, Bonnie, you've got a few more years to go. Why did you do it? He said, because I felt like I would accomplish something to be able to do this at my age. The, the, the spirit that's here is, in Timberline Church, I want us to anticipate some of the stuff and some of the things that God is moving in our leadership team's heart. And for us to do that, we're going to have to be prayerful, we're going to have to be intuitive, we're going to have to be led by the Spirit, and we're going to have to be a team. And that's exactly what happens when Jesus launches His ministry. Number two in your outline is this. Let's talk about the forethought to prepare for a minute. You know, all this, stuff, all this climbing gear exists and is in one pack because you have to prepare if you're going to go climbing. How many of you like to cook? Anybody? It's kind of fun. It's kind of enjoyable. What's the first thing you do when you decide you're going to have someone over and you're going to cook them a meal? You make a list, right? How many of you just go to the grocery store without making a list and you just buy stuff that looks good? And then you forget the very thing you needed the most, right? So you, you make a list. You start with a list. And, and then why do you make that list? Because you're making something specific. So, so for us to be prepared, we have to make a list of some specific things. Jesus knew what he was about. You know, and for cooking, those of you who cook know that there are food groups that go together and food groups that really don't. For instance, you finish this sentence for me. Ready? Just random. Eggs and... How did you know to say that? Let's try one for our English friend, Jeff. Fish and chips. How did you know? Because those things are served together so often that it gets it in our brain. And what I'd like for us to have happen at Timberline is that we are absorbed in accomplishing and climbing and doing these things God is asking us to do so much that it's a natural gate for us. And we are just in rhythm together as a church, weekend after weekend, to change the face of the world. And I believe we can do that, and we have been doing that. There's some essentials that are in your, in your outline that I want you to just write down real fast that Jesus cared probably most about when he launched his ministry. The first one is the word team team. Notice that after John the Baptist baptizes him, after he announces that he has arrived as the Son of God, he, the first thing he does is, is gather his team around him. Now, this is critical. If that's the first thing you're going to do, then that matters a lot. We know them as the disciples. Yep. And I want you to think about who all was on that team. We read four of the names, but Matthew, the tax collector, was also on that team, and he was nothing like Peter. He was, he was nothing like James and John. They were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector, probably despised by those guys. Why did Jesus have such diversity on his team? It's because he didn't want everyone to think the same. He even has Judas on his team, who would later betray him. And let me just tell you, Timberline is diverse. We have people who vote way over here and who vote way over here, and some that don't vote and some that overvote. We have some that care about stuff no one else cares about. 
I love the diversity of Timberline Church. It blesses me. I'm thankful for it. But it means we have to work hard at unity. I've said it before, that unity is not uniformity, but it's diversity with cooperation. You believe that? So we're going to have to cooperate if we're going to climb these mountains. And God is helping us to do that because we are very different from each other. Here's the question I want to ask. Who are your teammates? Who's in your life? You're not going to know everybody at Timberline Church ever. But do you have some people that you can say, this is my team. Like my wife, Bonnie, is my greatest teammate. There's no doubt about that. We're in unity on so many things. I, I love her deeply. Then I think of my family, our kids, my four sisters, my mom. They have my back no matter what. I love that I have that team around me. It encourages me. It inspires me. Then I have our pastors at Timberline. These are amazing people. And, and I love them. And God has sent them here. Then we have our deacon team. I feel like I'm close to our deacon team. Then there's our staff here at Timberline. From people who clean this facility to everything that happens here. I am grateful. Then I am a part of probably three other small groups with with other people who speak into my life that I love deeply and I care about. So much so that I feel like if I'm tempted about something or I'm in a jam, I can talk about it openly with them. And it takes time and energy to do that. But I wonder if you have that. Because to be healthy and to climb the mountains God wants you to climb, you're going to need to have a team around you of people that you can share with, believe in, confess to, talk about, pray with. That's what we've got to get you too, if you don't have that now. The second thing under this small point here is just purpose. After team, Jesus cared about purpose, and he was clear about what his purpose was. As a matter of fact, living with purpose is the greatest way to live your life. Some people just show up for the next day and hope something good happens. I want you to be more intentional this year about living for the purpose. Jesus lived with purpose in relationship. He lived with purpose in generosity and kindness. He lived with purpose even in work. We can live in purpose with play and with rest. All these things matter to God. The third one is vision. Jesus came to this earth with a very clear vision. Let me ask you a question. What are you dreaming about these days? What are you you thinking about in your spare time when you're kind of just daydreaming? You go, man, I wish I could... What are those dreams about? Do you have a bucket list this year? Because I would love for you to just think about the stuff that you would like to see God use you to do. Some of this might just be personal recreation. Others might be true spiritual goals. I, I, I sometimes, when I have vision and a bucket list and, I, and I'm doing them, they don't work out the way that I hope they do. I remember one time when I was climbing with some friends, Mount Verstat. Anyone climb that one? It's a great one. You, there's several ways up. We went in the long route, which has like three false summits. Why we did that, I have no idea. I hated it. Because you'd climb what you thought was the top, and it, you're just looking at another mountain. You climb that one, you're just looking at another mountain. It was depressing. And so, don't go that route. Anyway, we got to the top, finally, exhausted. You're always tired when you get up there. You rest a little bit. You make sure you're hydrated, and you look over, and just not very far, probably an hour to an hour and a half, is the peak of Mount Evans. And someone on our team said, we should go summit Mount Evans, then we, we have two 14ers under our belt in one day. We all thought that was a great idea. So, 
there's this thing called the sawtooth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The sawtooth is the rocky field between Beerstadt and Evans. And it's really rocky. I mean, big rocks. You're kind of going hand over foot over this. It's really crazy. And uh, it took us about an hour and a half to get over there. And when I walked around the corner on the top of Mount Evans, I looked just down a few hundred yards. And here are motorhomes and dogs and people cooking out burgers and hot dogs. Kids are playing. And we're standing there exhausted. I made a vow that day in my vision and my goal, I will never, ever climb a 14er that you can drive to. <laughs> ever again. Pikes Peak, forget it. I'm not climbing it. I will drive there. Sometimes in our vision and our hope and our desire to do things, it doesn't always go as we have planned. In 2016, we're going to have those moments when we have to readjust. But we're going to readjust, and God is going to help us. Okay, number three. I've got to keep moving here. Thinking about the challenges. Thinking about the challenges is very, very important. And when you're climbing a 14er, if you don't think about the challenges, you can die. Um, none of them are easy, as we have said. I've experienced challenges such as a blister, which was random, because my boots were broken in. It was just so weird. The seam on my sock got just wrong, and... And it was just horrible. From cold, all of a sudden a storm blows in, or dehydration, even to broken bones. There are many things that can happen when you're climbing a 14er. Do you know that people, it seems like every year someone dies climbing Long's Peak right out here, Long's and Meeker, because of lightning usually. But sometimes it's a foolish decision. They get to that keyhole, which is a tough spot. If there's ice in that and the wind starts blowing, it can blow you right out of there off the cliff. And it's happened over and over again. There are challenges. You know, Jesus faced many, many challenges in his ministry. People not believing in him. People calling him a liar, a blasphemer. There's one section even in Scripture where the Pharisees, uh, speaking of him, say, the son of Mary. Where in that culture you would never say the name of the mom. You would always say the name of the dad. They were ridiculing him, basically calling him a bastard child. And I'm saying bastard in a clinical, not as a cuss word, way. But it was demeaning. That was the point. That's the way they said it. That's what they wanted to do. And then he goes off and prays with his father. He comes back and his team, his team, the disciples, are arguing about who of them is the greatest. Can you imagine the frustration? He didn't have it easy. He's, trying to, he's got a mission for the whole world. And yet he had to stay determined. He had to make corrections. He had to keep going. Number four, the inner drive for accomplishment. This is where so much of it happens. The inner drive for accomplishment. When I think of this, I think of, again, the motivation that we're going to have in 2016 to impact the world. We are impacting the world now. Matter of fact, the last weekend of January is You Count Weekend for anti-human sex trafficking. Don't miss it because you won't believe what's happening right now in some of these places where we've had people and built homes of hope and God is really helping. But we, we have stories like that that we're going to be telling you because of your effort, because of your love for God, because of your love for the kingdom. So what are you living for? Jesus was living, I'm going to say this, please get this, Jesus' entire life was lived for this reality that man could be reconciled 
to God. That's why he did everything he did. It's why he left heaven. He became a baby. He grew up, launched ministry, and then he laid down his life. He died on that cross, rose from the dead, and now is in heaven. And that was his mission. And now all these years later, we have the opportunity to have that inner drive to do the things that God is asking us to do. That's what got him up every morning. You know, our statement on our website about this church and why it exists, listen to it if you don't know it. Timberline Church exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. If you know that and you believe that, suddenly it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what what I want selfishly. It's about this mission of saying, what do we have to do to reach people who are not walking with the Lord? Now, what are some of our 14ers? Again, I'm going to go through this list fairly uh, quick. You don't have to write all these down. You can try if you want. But we're going to actually have these printed for you and put in your hand in the next few weeks. And we're going to break them down and talk about them individually. Okay? So here's, here's the things that we're going to do this year that I'm really believing God for. These mountains that we're going to climb. I love this set up here. First of all, we're going to have a committed welcome area for connection for our guests who come to Timberline. You know, it's one thing to say, fill out a connection card. But one of the things that I believe really is important and our team believes it is we want to have a space. And it's going to be in the South Auditorium starting next weekend. At the end of our time here, the teaching pastor, whoever that is, is going to say, I would love to meet those of you who are our guests today. And then we're going to slip right back there to that back part. We're going to have coffee and and cold drinks for them. We're not going to keep them. We're just going to meet them, say hi, and see if they have any questions about Timberline. Because many people have told us, man, it's sort of intimidating coming here. This is a big place. And we want to take all that away. You know, if you've been here a long time, you know we call this our living room. And it's to me, it's just cozy. I love it. I feel right at home with you here today. But I think it's going to be very important to have this unique welcome connection place for new people we're also second uh, mountain is just to nurture new believers you guys god has put something in timberline where a lot of people come to faith here a lot of people say i want i want in i want a journey with god and we believe that it has been very difficult for us to find a way to get them into a place where they're really gaining traction and growing and what to read and what to do. You know, when you've never grown up around it, you don't know even how to read the Bible. And we're going to change that. We're going to count on many of you to be host and hostess for that Welcome Center. We're also going to count on many of you to get involved. We would like to hook a new believer up with someone on our team to say, we want relationship and dynamic, a cup of coffee, and where to start and where to go. And get some connection going in the long term. That's a big goal and it's harder to do than you might think. But we're going to attempt it. The third 14er is we want to empower everyone in in the workplace. If you have a job, if you own a business, um, we want to empower you. I could see some points in this coming year where we'll have a Saturday morning workshop. We have some amazing business leaders here at Timberline Church. And we're going to tap into them. We're going to ask them to come and lead a two-hour seminar on how you can impact the workplace. Have you ever seen an overzealous Christian pretty much ruin their testimony because they're too aggressive in the workplace? Well, we don't want to do that. 
we, we want to teach people how to really recognize those defining moments. When is the Holy Spirit tapping you and saying, this is a moment for a conversation? Or ask them if you can just pray for them, either now or later, because it will open up that conversation. Another 14er is worship and prayer. The Book of Acts series, which we're going to continue in February, by the way, um, we're very excited about that showed us that we're going to stop more in our weekend times. We're going to pray. We're going to anoint with oil. We're going to have some meaningful moments of reflection. We just believe God's calling us to that. Another 14er is to communicate really effectively for impact in the world. From teaching on weekends to planning to small groups to the Wednesday nights, which Pastor Brent is just doing a fabulous job and the team around him. But all of our teachers, leaders, small groups, we really want it to be impactful so that you're saying, I don't want to miss that, instead of, oh, do I have to go to that? <laughs> Hopefully you're already saying, I don't want to miss that. Um, another 14er is, is the power of story. We're, we're going to share more story. Of, we have story after story here in our church that inspires other people. We're also going to wait and listen to the Holy Spirit more. We're going to, uh, another 14er is to deepen discipleship for long-haul living. What I mean by that is, how many of you have walked with the Lord more than 20 years? Just wave your hand at me. Okay. You know the biggest challenge for you and me, because I'm in that boat too, is getting bored. I've read so many books. I've read through the Bible I don't know how many times. And I want to make sure that my relationship stays fresh. And so we're going we're gonna to find some unique ways for those of you that would journey with God, have journeyed with Him for a long time, to stay fresh. And we have some great ideas about this. We're also going to really release high-level leaders. I, I just believe God has brought so many of you here for a reason, and, and we're going to ask you to come off the sidelines, and you're going to see a lot of room for new ministry and new leadership development here at Timberline. And then two more. This is kind of this is it's going to be kind of controversial, and, and I hope you can handle it, but it's, it's something that we feel God absolutely asking us to do, and that is we're going to tackle, tackle some pretty hot topics about sexuality this year. It's a very, very, you know, when I say that, people immediately think, oh, you know, uh, gay and lesbian issues. Well, that's, that's some. But why don't we talk about marital faithfulness? You know how many people are cheating on their spouse that go to church every week through Internet porn, through secret affairs, through false identity, through online sites? It's, it's horrendous. And and I, I love those of you that might be involved in that, but I'm telling you, I think God is asking us to bring truth to these situations, and unfortunately in our culture today, this is not going to be real popular, what this book says. And I want you to be ready for that. We'll announce it ahead. Some of you choose to bring your kids in here. There's going to be a few weekends when we say, next weekend is more R-rated. You don't want to have your small kids in here, okay? They're not going to understand. We're going to tackle them. We're not going to run away from hard topics. And, and we never have, but we're going to be a little more intentional. Then the last one is we're going to stay really missional with our local and global outreach. We're really developing right now what we call Kingdom Builders. And it's, it's the way we're going to give to impact the world. I'm going to ask you, and we're asking you to consider paying your tithe. That's for blessing. The Bible says, I will bless you. That tithe is 10%. That comes... We'll talk more about this, but that just comes with blessing in your life. And then, once you're doing that, you have an opportunity to give to what we're setting up as kingdom builders. 
That's how we're going to build orphanages around the world. That's how we're going to reach the poor, the needy, the hungry. And kingdom builders is going to be people who say, I am going to build the kingdom of God. I have so much in me about this, it's got to come out. Let's go back to the very first thing we said. Disciples, come follow me. What's happening there? I'll tell you what's happening there. They had something compel them to follow the Lord. And they did it. And they said, I'm in. Even Judas, who would later betray Jesus and go and commit suicide. You know what? We're going to have some moments where we need this rope around us. If I could, I thought about doing this, but it would be ridiculous. Get a rope long enough to go around all of us and move all the chairs out and just start squeezing us together. Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> but, but in a spiritual sense, I want you to envision this where we all are together and, and we're being drawn together and we're being pulled. That, that bond is something special. And I think being closer than we've ever been and deciding we're going to do stuff for the kingdom, not for the sake of just doing, but by being led by the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Lord, it's so important right now that we listen to you and we think about our personal goals. You guys, just in this moment of solitude and quiet, that last thing in your bulletin there, it says my personal goals include... I'd love for you to just, if God's prompting you to write something down there in this moment of reflection and prayer, to just write it down on there. If you want to take it home and think about it and do it, do it later, but please do it. What are some personal goals that you have? What is God prompting you? Maybe you've never done that before. I want you to live with more intention in 2016 than you ever have. I'm challenged by that. So I'm going to be quiet just for a second here, just 30 seconds. You can just jot down anything God puts in your heart. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you that you were determined to start and that you finished. What a, what a statement. Very few do that, Lord. Show us how we need to start as a church and show us how individually we can do what you're calling us to do. You know, with heads bowed, I know this is really personal, but we're living in a pretty chaotic world right now. How many of you would just admit that you're really prayerful today and you will be during the month of January in this series that you really need some direction for where God's taking you? You may love God or you may not, but you're here for a reason today. But you would just raise a hand and say, I, I really need some direction in my life if I'm going to make a difference the way that I want to. And I need, I need some specifics in order to live with intentionality. You're at that place. Would you just lift a hand? I just want to pray over you and ask God to just be very clear to you. 
Lord, we come to you knowing that we can and we want to make a difference. But we need clarity about what to be intentional about. And I'm asking, in these next 30 days, would you, would you just do some miracles in these, in these services, in these weekends, in these Wednesday nights, or at home, or watching or listening anywhere, that we would have some clarity about what it is you're specifically saying to us. And I pray that you'll prepare us for these weekends, that we will really hear some specific things as we listen to your voice. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, for this family. I pray that we will be bonded together by the love that binds us together. And we will feel that connection in relationship. And we'll be grateful for it. Lord, secondly, if there's someone here that doesn't know you at all, and they they need to invite you to be the center of their life. If, If that's you, would you right now just say, Lord... I need you to be the center of my life. I haven't really confessed my sins till today. And I, I, I need you. I need forgiveness. I want to come clean. My faith is alive. I feel you drawing me to you. And I believe you are the Son of God who died on that cross for my sin. And I confess it to you. And I receive forgiveness by faith. Lord, we ask all these things in your mighty name.